Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about functional anatomy. I'm Dr. Weber, and this is through the NCSF Certified Personal Training Manual. So we're going to talk about uh, the different spatial terms that we use in human anatomy, uh, human plane, uh, movement planes, and anatomical biomechanical movements possible at each joint segment throughout the body, uh, recognition of common exercises for major joint actions possible throughout the body, recognize healthy and unhealthy spinal curvature as well as pelvic positioning, and understand differences between varying types of grips during exercise. So you have your anatomical position. When you're facing someone and you're showing your hands to somebody, uh, you are in the anatomical position if you're standing up, okay? If your feet are forward, your chin is in line with your sternum and hips, you know, and you're looking straight ahead and your palms are facing forward and your elbows are straight, that's the anatomical position. So that's the position that whenever we're, uh, whenever we're talking about human anatomy, if someone is facing us, we want to make sure that we're talking about um, their right side being, you know, on, you know, when we look, it's on our left, but it's on their right. So we have to be able to recognize those terms when uh, looking at functional anatomy, when you're taking tests, especially in the NCSF, they're going to ask you questions like, you know, what, what is this called right here? It might be the right or the left. So you have to know anatomical positions. Positional terms. So superior is going to be up or above the midline and inferior is going to be below the midline. So the midline being your waist, uh, proximal and distal. So proximal is toward uh, the midline, distal is away from the midline. You have medial and lateral. Medial is toward the midline and lateral is away from the midline. And you have posterior and anterior. Anterior is toward the front of your body and posterior is toward the back of your body. Movement planes. You have your sagittal plane, which cuts you in half from right and left half. Your frontal plane, which cuts you from front and back, your front side and back side. And your transverse plane, which cuts you from top to bottom or through the waist. Then you have a longitudinal axis that goes straight down your body from your skull all the way throughout your body. Uh, you have two lines that goes across, which are your frontal and your transverse axis. Axis going, transverse going across your body and frontal axis going anterior to posterior. Movement um, at the spine and shoulder. So your spine, it flexes and extends. So when you flex forward, if you bring your chest down, you're flexing your spine. And when you bring your back over your waist or behind you, when you bring your head back, you're extending your back. When you bring your shoulder down to your hip or when you bend to one side, that's called lateral flexion. When you rotate your waist, that is called rotation of the spine. So that's what happens at the spine. Uh, as far as horizontal, let me zoom in here. All right, so as far as um, movements at the shoulder, so if you tee your arms out in the air and then you clap them, that is called horizontal adduction. And then when you bring your hands back out to a T, that is called horizontal abduction. If you make goalposts with your arms and then you bring your arm down, that would be internal rotation. And when you bring your arm up, that would be external rotation. 
for abduction when you go out to a T, if you were to T your arms out, so if your hands are in line with your shoulders, that would be abduction. Flexion would just be bringing your arm overhead. And then hyper ex uh, extension would just be bringing your arm next to your side. So your, your arm, when your arm is next to your side touching your hip, that's an extension. And when you bring your arm behind your body, that is hyperextension. Okay. <clears throat> Movements at the hip. So when you bring your knee in line with your hip or when you bring your foot off the ground, like you're about to step up a stairs, that is hip flexion. And when you stand up uh, or when you stand up the stairs, that would be hip extension. So when your legs are straight. When your legs move away from the midline, that's called abduction. And when your legs go toward the midline, that's called adduction. When your foot steps backwards, or if you were to do a, say, donkey kick, that would be a hip hyperextension. And then when your hip turns out or when your hip turns in, that's external and internal rotation at the hip. Movements at the elbow and wrist, you have flexion and extension of elbow pronation, supination at the wrist and elbow. So the elbow and wrist kind of move together and then radial deviation is primarily at the wrist. So radial deviation, when your pinkies go toward your forearm and when, when your thumb goes toward your forearm, that would be radial deviation. Movements at the knee and ankle. So you have plantar flexion and dorsiflexion at the ankle, when you point your toe down and using your gastroc, it's called plantar flexion. And when you point your toe up, it's called dorsiflexion. When you show the inside of your foot to the world so everyone can see it, we call that ankle eversion. And when your inside of your foot goes um, toward the inside of your body, we call that ankle engine. Uh, that's usually a little bit harder to remember. So I think ankle eversion, everyone can see it. You're facing it outward. Knee extended, legs are straight. When you bend your knee, it's called knee is flex, knee flexion. Okay. All right. So spine and neck, you have your vertebral broad body, which is the bone in between um, those cushion-like uh, annulus fibrosis. And then you have an intervertebral foramen, which is a tube that runs in between the bones. And this tube has spinal fluid that goes throughout that uh, tube. You have your upper cervical C1 to C7, which are your first seven vertebrae. And then you have your thoracic spine T1 to T12. And then you have lumbar L1 to L5. And then you have your sacrum and coccyx, which are fused. So your coccyx would be your tailbone. Your lordotic curve is the curve at the lower part of your back, and your kyphotic curve is the curve at the upper back. Okay. So you have a natural kyphotic curve, and you have a natural lord, lordotic curve. If you have extra lordosis or extra lordotic curve or kyphosis or extra kyphotic curve, then you may have postural problems, breathing issues, and other uh, problems that we'll talk about later. The pelvis spine connection. So as you see, when the hips have a posterior pelvic tilt, you tend to sway um, backward. And when your hips are in an anterior pelvic tilt, you tend to sway forward. So we're looking for a neutral pelvic position uh, during most of our exercises. So we want our ribs in line with our pelvis 
and we want this space here to be nice and um, uh, I guess compact. Once we do stuff like this, we start to um, posterior pelvic tilt here. You're starting to bring your shoulders over your hips. And then here with the anterior pelvic tilt, you're going to have too much lordosis in the lower back, which can, can compress the spine. So anterior tel uh, pelvic tilt is pelvis rotates forward. So think if you had a fishbowl and you were to tilt it forward, that would be your hips and then anterior pelvic tilt. And if you had a fishbowl and you were to tilt it backward on yourself, that would be a posterior pelvic tilt. Neutral is when the, when the fishbowl is stabilized and there's no water spilling out. The trunk, lots of muscles here. Um, there's different example exercises you can perform for each of uh, these different types of muscles. Um, but just remember, most of these muscles are going to be working together to perform most movements. Okay, so if, if a muscle is next to a muscle, it's probably going to be helping that muscle that's neighboring it and, and so forth. And it's going to have a kinetic link and your whole body is basically a kinetic chain. And everything is basically interrelated and independent of itself. So your joints are independent of themselves. They can work um, independently, but they can also work interdependently, okay? So you have your rectus abdominis, which is responsible for trunk flexion. So something like an ab curl up, sit up, or any type of, um, you know, sitting up exercise be your abs or your rectus abdominis. Those are the outer um, bigger muscles. And then you have your external obliques, which are on the side. So think of your love handles, where those are. Those are where your external and internal obliques are. So external would be on the outside, internal would be a little bit on the in, internal connected to the ribs more. Uh, everything's really connected to the ribs as well. See the external obliques are connected to the ribs um, as well as your rectus abdominis is gonna be connected to your uh, ribs as well, and your pelvis. So all these muscles are connected from your hips to your pelvis. So the reason why it's so important to keep it neutral uh, pelvis when you're exercising or to keep intra-abdominal pressure is so that you don't compress the spine and you um, also you don't you know hurt your lower back so you're trying to keep this pressure tight here as far as your external obliques that flexes and rotates the vertebrae like a diagonal chop or an uplift uh, intra-oblique so that flexes and rotates ver vertebral column and that is like a cable torso twist uh, transverse abdominis. Now those are going to be a little bit deeper. So if you look at a uh, superior view or a above view of the human body looking down, you'll see the transverse abdominis is um, the most inner lining of the trunk muscles. Okay, so you have your transverse abdominis, and then it goes internal oblique, then external oblique. And then your rectus abdominis that would be in the front. Okay, so your external obliques are the most are the most lateral or on the outside of your trunk. Most forward are your rectus abdominis. Okay, and then your rectus spinae group that's going to be all the muscles in your back. Okay, so this right here represent all these muscles. You have your uh, spinalis thoracic, longissimus thoracic, iliostilatus laborium. You have your multi-tifidus, which is something that a lot of people are going to recognize. That would be dead center, lower back. 
So that's that main muscle that you'll hear a lot of people talk, you'll hear a lot of people talk about multifidus, and you'll also hear a lot of people talk about the QLs or the quadratus lumborum. And those are responsible for lateral flexion. So when you laterally flex, you're using your quadratus lumborum. When your erector spinae group extends your whole entire vertebral column, kind of they all work together. They strain and go all the way up from your hips all the way to the base of your skull. So this, these are all the muscles that make your trunk. Okay, uh, something like a good morning would be a back extension on the way up, and then quadratus laborum, a lateral flexion, um, would be something of how those muscles would work. But also they're stabilizer muscles too. So they're not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to use them as a flexioner or um, good morning exercise, lateral flexion or good morning exercise, but you could use them as stabilizer muscles like if you're carrying two suitcases. Shoulders, your shoulders make up uh, your deltoids, your pectoris major, your uh, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor, teres major, and your latissimus dorsi. Uh, inside of your uh, anterior view of your rotator cuff, so if we're looking at the front of your body, and let's just say your left side, we can see a supraspinatus, which would be right above the spine of the scapula. And then in the middle, or in the middle of the scapula, we have your infraspinatus, and then you have your teres minor, which is on the outside more toward the humerus. So that would be your rotator from the, um, sorry, the posterior view. Your anterior view, you would just see your subscapularis, so all these muscles are gonna make up your rotator cuff. So you have your subscapularis, which is below the uh, bone. You can only see it on the, the anterior view. And on the posterior view, you can see the infraspinatus, teres minor, and the supraspinatus. Okay, and that makes up all of uh, your uh, rotators. And then you have underneath of your rotators, you have your teres uh, major, okay, your teres major is going to help out the latissimus dorsi, which is that huge back muscle that wraps around back, one of the biggest muscles on your back, okay, helps you when you do your pull-ups, and then you have your deltoids, uh, which are going to help with shoulder flexion and abduction, and your pectoris major, which are going to be responsible for horizontal adduction and uh, shoulder flexion. So, shoulder muscles, you have your deltoids, okay, they horizontally abduct, flex, extend, and rotate the humerus, something like a side raise, latissimus dorsi, adduct, medial rotate, and extend the humerus, and that's something like a pull-up, pectoris major, horizontal adduction, flexion, extension, and medial rotate the humerus, that's something like a bench press, teres major, that is going to be located underneath the minor, Right, uh, right underneath the rotator cuff, and that's going to help you adduct, extend, and medial rotate the humerus, something like a single arm row. Then you have your coracobrachialis, and your coracobrachialis is going to support your biceps, and it's going to be uh, adduction and flexion the humerus, so something like a front raise, uh, infraspinatus, extend and externally rotate the humerus. And that's going to extend. That's going to be an external band rotation. Uh, subscapularis. You, that's going to extend and internally rotate the humerus. So something like an internal band rotation. 
uh, supraspinatus that's going to abduct the humerus and empty can raise. So when you pretend you're um, picking up a can with your arms straight and then you pour it out, that, that would be supraspinatus when you abduct the humerus. Terrace minor, adduct and externally rotate the humerus, and that would be an external band rotation. Shoulder girdle, you have your trapezius right here, and you have your uh, posterior view and anterior view, which shows you your levator scapulae, which is the neck muscle on the outside. Um, it also shows that you have your clavicle, which we talked about is a bone, and that is connected to your uh, glenohumeral joint, which you will see the humerus go into the scapula, and there's the glenohumeral fossa, which is there. Your scapula is the uh, wing bone on your back, and then you have your serratus anterior, which is right, right next to your armpit, right in front of your rib cage. Your pectoris minor is above your serratus anterior, and that's going to help with uh, your pectoris major. Uh, your trapezius is going to elevate, depress, rotate, and fix the scapula, extend cervical spine. And like a shoulder shrug, you're going to feel your traps. Rhomboid major, retract, rotate, and fix scapula, so like a seated row. Pectoris minor, and that's going to depress in the scapula, and that's going to be something like a chest fly. And then levator scapula elevates and retracts scapula laterally, flex cervical spine, and something like a high row. Elbow and wrist. So you have your biceps brachii, triceps brachioradialis, and brachius, which all are on the humerus and located in the bones in the glenoid fossa and all the way into the elbow. So you have the biceps brachii, which flexes and supinates the forearm, flexes and abducts the arm, like a bicep curl. Triceps, that's going to extend forearm, extend and abduct arm, something like a tricep pushdown or um, uh, something like a push-up as well. Brachioradialis flexes forearm, like a hammer curl. Brachialis flexes forearm, and that's a reverse grip curl or a reverse grip curl there. So. Wrist muscles, you have your flexor carpioradialis, okay? That's your forearm muscle located on the, um, you know, right underneath your palm there. And that's gonna be something like a wrist muscle. Uh, flexor carpio ulnaris, that's gonna be a little bit lower toward uh, your wrist, a little bit closer to your wrist. That's gonna be something like a wrist curl. Extensor carpioradialis, that's gonna extend and abduct the wrist. That's going to be located on the top of the arm or the top of the lower arm. That's going to be like a reverse wrist curl. So when you extend your wrist, you're going to feel those muscles poke through the top of the skin. Then you have your extensor carpial ulnaris, which are a little bit in more in the middle of your forearm, uh, where the extensor carpial radialis is more on the radius. So it's obviously on the radius. And then you have the carpial ulnaris, which is on the ulna. And that would be reverse wrist curls. So wrist grip variations, you have your underhand grip, overhand grip, hammer grip, and you have a reverse grip. Knees and hips, you have your psoas major, which is connected to your lumbar all the way into your hip. Um, that is gonna be responsible for maybe anterior posterior pelvic hip changes that you may have from tightness occurring here. Um, rectus femoris is the big muscle on your thigh in front of your femur. Your pectinus is the 
one of the inner muscles right underneath your rectus abdominis. It's almost an extension of your rectus abdominis, but it goes into the thigh. Your sartorius goes across from the upper lateral hip all the way to the inside medial knee. Your vastus lateralis, since it's on the lateral side, is called the vastus lateralis, and you have your vastus medius, vastus. And those are outside of your rectus femoris. Inside, these muscles are almost just as important as those big muscles over here. They don't get a lot of attention, but you have your adductor longus, which is big meaty uh, muscle in the middle of the, the femur here. And then you have your adductor magnus, which is underneath that, which is also a huge muscle, which is going to flare through almost the whole femur bone. And then on the top of the femur bone, you're going to have your adductor brevis. Your glute max, those are gonna be your, your top butts or the muscles at the back of your bottom. And then you have your glute meds, which are your top butt or your side butts. Okay, so you have your bottom, or sorry, your bottom and your top. <laughs> so your glute max, I call them your bottom butts and your glute meds are your top butts. So your top butts are on the sides and on the outer and the bottom butts are your glute max. And those are obviously a little bit bigger than your glute meds. I call them the bottom butts because they're located near the sit bones, which are on the ischial tuberosity right underneath the hips and pelvis. So psoas major, that flexes the hip, something like a knee raise. Iliacus, that flexes and medial rotates the thigh and hip. So something like a diagonal knee raise. Glute max, that extends adducts and laterally rotates the thigh like a squat or a bridge. Gluteus medius, abduction and medial rotates the thigh like a lateral squat. Gluteus minimus, abduction and medial rotates the thigh. Um, that's going to be a lateral squat as well. Tensor fascia lata, that's going to be the side, the most lateral muscle, even outside of the glute meds. You're going to feel this poking out when you abduct the, the hip and um, medial rotate the thigh. That's going to be something like a supine leg abduction. Piriformis is going to help laterally rotate an abduct thigh, something like a rotational step out, and your quadratus femoris, which is going to laterally rotate an abduct thigh and rotational step outs. So you have your gluteus minimus, which is on the inside um, of the, the hip. If you're facing uh, the anatomical view of someone's facing you, you can see it on the inside of the hip. It goes out to the top of the femur. Um, it's on the outside edge of the, the hip, whereas the piriformis goes more on the sacrum. So you see it attached to the sacrum and that goes all the way out to the hip, okay? For the hips and knees, your psoas major, that big muscle tissue there, it's actually bigger on your left side than it is your right side because uh, of the way your diaphragm is placed. And um, there's a lot of different muscles that are asymmetrical because of your diaphragm and where your heart is located. Um, your, we talked about the different muscles on your, on your thighs, but we didn't talk about the lower limb muscles here and the, uh, the muscles behind here. So your semimembranosus, semitendinosus, and your biceps femoris. Okay, so when you look at this back thigh section, when you're looking at someone's uh, but in back, you're gonna see underneath their thigh, their semi tendinosis, I mean, membranosis and, and biceps femoris. 
And those are all in front of your latis, uh, your vastus medius and, and vastus lateralis and rectus femoris. So that's on the back side. And those are going to help uh, with many different things. So your rectus femoris is going to extend the thigh or extend the leg, flexes thigh, something like a front squat. Your vastus lateralis can extend the leg like a lunge, vastus intermedius, that'd be extending the leg, something like a leg press. Okay, vastus medius, that's also uh, extend the legs, extend the knee really, right? Leg extension and sartorius, flexes hip and, and knee, rotate the leg medially and thigh laterally, lateral step outs, biceps femoris, so that's extending knee, flexes and laterally rotates leg, Romanian deadlift, you have a semi-tendinosis. It's going to extend thigh, hip, flexes immediately, rotates the leg, something like a supine leg curl. Semi-membranosis, that's going to extend the thigh or the hip. Flexes immediately, rotates the leg, standing leg curl. Adductor brevis, it's going to adduct as well as adductor longus and magnus. They kind of, um, they all go, they're all going to help with adduction, but the brevis is going to help flex and laterally rotate thigh. Longus is going to help flex, laterally rotate thigh, and the magnus is going to adduct, extend, and laterally rotate thigh. So the magnus helps with extension. So the pectinus adducts and flexes the thigh. Example exercises for the brevis would be a lateral lunge, longus, side steps, magnus, seated adduction, and pectinus cable adductions. If you want to get real specific, but they're all going to be generally helping each other out. Ankles feet. So your front of your lower limb, you're going to have your tibialis anterior. So when you flex your door, when you go into dorsiflexion, you should feel your uh, front shin muscles turn on. That's your tib anterior, tibialis anterior. When you look at your body from behind, you have your soleus, which is on your lower leg um, behind your fibula and tibula like a, a fan-shaped muscle that goes across. And then you have your gastrocnemius, which is a big muscle that goes uh, furthest back, which is your bigger muscle on top of the soleus. You have your peroneus longus, which is on the outside of the, um, the lower limb. And then you have your peroneus brevis, which is a little bit more, it's in between your longus and uh, your tib anterior. So that's in between your side muscle and your front muscle. It's a little bit deeper. So you can have different types of feet patterns. So flat foot, normal foot, and hollow foot. So flat foot, arch um, is fallen. So the heels kind of go down and out, whereas a normal heel just goes straight down. The hollow foot, uh, the foot goes, if the heel goes in, um, that's going to be an over arc. So we're trying to obviously just assess. We really can't change that dramatically, but we can at least know what that means. So gastrocnemius, uh, plantar flexes the foot, flexes um, the leg, okay, standing calf raise, so that'd just be plantar, plantar flexion of the ankle. Soleus, plantar flexes the foot, seated calf raise, tibularis anterior, dorsiflexes and inverts foot, something like a toe raise. Um, that's when you just dorsiflex the ankle. Peroneus tertius, dorsiflexes and everts foot. Okay, uh, that's a toe raise and a peroneus brevis, that's like a calf raise. So the peroneus brevis and peroneus longus are gonna help your gastroc and soleus out, okay? 
and then your tib anterior and peroneus tartareus are going to help with the dorsiflexion, whereas peroneus brevis and longus are more plantar flexion, just like the soleus and gastroc, and it's going to help with the calf raise. All right, so that's going to be full functional uh, anatomy and going over the different muscles and the different example exercises for each muscle. Hope you enjoyed that and have a good day.